Hey, marketing today has gotten harder. There's so many new platforms. How do you reach the right audience? Fortunately, there's a simple way. LinkedIn can help you speak with the right professionals at the right time. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz. My guest today is Dr. John Demartini. He is a world-renowned specialist in human behavior, a researcher, author, and global educator. One of his most recent books is called The Values Factor, The Secret to Creating an Inspired and Fulfilling Life. So let's talk about values, shall we? Welcome, John. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Appreciate the time here. So... Let's give people a little, uh, I, I read kind of the official stuff that you do, but let's give people a little bit of background. How'd you get here to, to where you are today? Well, I uh, was a, I started when I was 17, actually. I, I had a dream um, to travel the world and to teach. And I set out to do that at age 17, almost 18. And by God, I just didn't give up on it. And I just kept uh, emerging it, it was a, I had a learning problem as a child. I was told that I would, in first grade, I would never be able to read, never be able to write, never be able to communicate, never mount to anything, never go very far in life. And I was a high school dropout and was living on the streets for many years. And, um, but then I met this amazing teacher named Paul Bragg when I was 17 that made me, after, uh, during his talk, for the first time in my life, I thought maybe I could overcome my learning problems. Someday I could learn how to read and become intelligent. And I tell you what, that was the most inspiring night and the turning point of my life. And I never gave up on it. I had to first learn how to pronounce words and spell and practice speech and things. I had a speech problem and I just, I never gave up on it. I just, and this is the thing I just love doing most. So at 17, you were still not reading or even speaking well. I, I didn't read my first book till I was 18. Uh, was it was it ultimately neurological or psychological or? Well, I, I had... When I, was, when I was very young, I had a speech impediment, so I had to go to spe speech pathologist very young. And then I, when I got into first grade, um, I had what they define now as dyslexia and apraxia. And I, I wasn't able to um, put it all together. The only way I made it through school is by asking smart kids questions. And, and, but, but, you know, when you really, 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 really want to do something, and, and there's no turning back on it. Um, you can turn your life around. I mean, that's what happened to me. I just, I had such a desire to want to, I never thought I'd ever be intelligent. I had a desire to be intelligent. And man, when, when I went out on the pursuit of that, it was kind of like a relentless pursuit that I, I had, with my help of my mother, I had to read 30 words a day and pronounce them and spell them properly and put them in a sentence and say it. I couldn't go to bed until I had 30 new words a day when I was 18 and my vocabulary grew and I eventually uh, took a GED and a high school equivalency test and a college entrance exam. And, and I went on and then I ended up being a scholar. So I, I just never give up on it. And I, I, I've read now over 30,000 something books and I just, I love reading. I just love learning. And you, uh, people might've heard me introduce you as uh, Dr. John Demartini. So you now have uh, even achieved advanced degrees. Yeah, I did. I did 10 years of college and, and almost, and, and um, yeah, I just, I want to be a teacher, a philosopher, and healer. And that's, so I full-time travel around the world today, researching and teaching and have students all over the world today, every country. So I've, I've been quite blessed, been to 154 countries, and this January will be 154. 
And you reside, you were telling me uh, before we started recording, uh, in a somewhat unique home. I live on a ship called The World when I'm there. Most of the time I'm traveling. But my residence for the last 18 years is on a uh, condominium, private condominium ship that travels all over the world. And I get off and on as I travel. It's a place to write. So I mentioned that the name of uh, one of your core works is called The Values Factor. I wonder if you could define that term, values factor. Well, um, every individual, regardless of gender or age or culture, lives moment by moment by a set of priorities, a set of values, things that are most important to least important in their lives. And every, uh, in this hierarchy, it's a set of values that they hold, things that are most important to least important. So this set of values is unique to them. And it determines how they perceive what they decide and how they act. Their perceptions, decisions, and actions are dependent on these values. And whatever's highest on their value, they spontaneously are inspired intrinsically to pursue. And this is where they'll excel and fulfill and expand. And whatever's low on their values, lower on the priorities, they'll require extrinsic motivation to get them to do it. So they'll need a punishment if they don't do it, reward if they do kind of things in order to get them to do it. And this is not where they excel. This is where they kind of hold back. And finding out what's really, truly, truly most important in people's lives and structuring their life through prioritized action and delegation to pursue that is extraordinary in its capacity to build momentum and go on to greater achievement as an entrepreneur or as anybody in any field, really. And so I'm fascinated by that, and that's what the values factor is. How do we get people to live congruently and aligned with what they value most so they can be inspired? Yeah, so let me make sure I'm, I'm hearing this right. You're suggesting that people have these values, even if they haven't really associated words or names with them. You're saying that they make decisions based on them, and part of the job is to figure out what they are? Well, if, if you ask somebody what their values are, they'll tell you social cliches and ideologies and ide idealisms that are – uh, injected and inculcated from individuals like mothers, fathers, preachers, teachers, conventions, traditions, and mores of the society that they're subordinating and conforming to. But I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what their life demonstrates. So I look at, and I have 13 value determinants to help look objectively at what their value determinants are. So how do they fill their space? Because things are really important to them they fill their space with. How do they spend their time? They find time, make time, and spend time on things that are truly valuable. What is it that energizes when they're doing something behind their values, their energy goes up when they're not, their energy goes down. Where is their money being spent? Look carefully at how they spend their money. It tells you what the priorities are, where are they most organized and ordered, where are they most disciplined spontaneously. What is it they think about, visualize and affirm inside internally dialogue with themselves about how they want their life that shows evidence of coming true, not fantasies. What do they converse with other people about most? about what they want to keep bringing the conversation to. What inspires them and brings a tear of inspiration to their eyes? What exactly is it the consistent, persistent goals that they've been pursuing that are actually coming true, not the ones that are fantasies that are self-defeating? And what is the thing that they love studying about, reading about, learning about, and listening to? I look at those value determinants to get a clear understanding of what their life is truly demonstrating, not their fantasies, about what they hope it will be. However, would you suggest also that there are a lot of people that 50, 60, 70, 80 percent of their lives, they're living outside of those things that you just described? Exactly. Most people are comparing themselves to others, putting on others on the pedestal, minimize themselves into the pit, living vicariously through other people, 
paying high dollars for other people's brands instead of building a brand around themselves. And they're basically doing what Emerson warned not to do, envying and imitating people, which is sort of a, a death sentence to their, their self-worth and their empowerment. And, and, the key, and the key is to giving themselves permission to not subordinate to the world on the outside, but to let the voice and the vision on the inside direct their destiny and take command of their life. As, as Ernest Becker says, instead of conforming to the collective heroist, you want to be, be the individual hero within. And so in the process of doing it, most people don't give themselves permission to do that. They, they live in the shadows of others instead of on the shoulders of giants. So if you've asked, and I know you have uh, worked with a lot of folks uh, trying to determine these, uh, what, what gets in the way of people connecting with the, what their real values are, certainly articulating what their true values are? What gets in the way of that? Well, again, this subordination and injected values of others. If you walk in a mall and you see somebody you think is more intelligent you, you'll minimize yourself to them. Try to inject their values. You think they're more successful than you. You think they're more wealthy than you. You think they have a better relationship than you. You think that they have more social savvy than you. You think that they're, you know, better fit. You'll think they're more spiritually aware. The moment you minimize yourself to them and put them on pedestals, you'll automatically inject their values into your life and cloud the clarity of your own calling your own mission, and your own highest priority. You know, I, 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 I've watched people, you know, I ask thousands of people, sometimes in front of tens of thousands of people, and I ask people, how many of you want to be financially independent? And they all put their hands up, thousands of people. I said, how many of you are? And they all put their hands down, most of them. I said, that's because you have a higher value on buying consumables that depreciate in value, and you want the lifestyles of the rich and famous instead of actually buying true assets that put money in your pocket and build and accumulate appreciative wealth. And as long as you do, you'll fantasize about wealth building, but you won't have the values that will actually make you make the decisions that are actually accumulating over the long term values. You're letting immediate gratification for consumerism off other people's brands interfere with a long term mission and vision of building wealth so your money can work for you instead of you working for money all your life. All right. So I think we've defined the challenge. <laughs> How do you help people define those in a way that's actually going to be a guide for them? Well, I, I developed uh, this method. It's being used around the world. It's a value determination. I have it online for people. Uh, if they'd like to go online, it's complimentary. It's free. It's private. Then what it does, it'll take them about 30 minutes of their time on my website, drdmartin.com. And what they can do is just go in there and answer it. And I'm almost certain the first time they answer it, they're going to write down a bunch of idealisms. They're going to write down what they wish it would be and fantasize about it and what they used to be and what they hope it will be. But stop and make sure you're as objective as possible and look at what your life demonstrates because the integrity of your answers will, will be reflected there. And if they do that again a week later and about a month later, they'll see a pattern and they'll get an idea of what their really life is showing because your life shows your values. It dictates your, 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 your life is revealing it. So you can say all kind of stuff, but I'm not interested in what people say. I'm interested in what they're living. Their actions speak louder than their words. So I, I go in there and I have them do that. There's 13 questions, they're value determinants, they're free and online, and they've, they've helped thousands of people. And, I'm, and I know that it can make a difference. I've used it in, within universities are using it for guidance counseling, corporations are using it. One company went up $1.47 billion when they incorporated into the company, Uniqlo Corporation out of Japan. Uh, I've used it in, in governments, I've used it in healthcare. It, it's, it's a very useful tool to assist people in setting really congruent goals that they have an increasing probability of achieving. 
because many people set up fantasies for themselves and don't realize they self-defeat that way. Well, is there anything wrong with aspirational values? Um, I want to be kinder, for example. Uh, you know, might be something that somebody would say, well, yeah, that's a value to me, but gosh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing it. Can I work on that? Is there anything wrong with that type of value identification? It's not, it's nothing, it, it's not a moral construct because, you know, if your values, if I came up to you and I said to you, you're always nice, you're always, you know, you're never uh, mean, you're always kind, you're never cruel, you're always positive, you're never negative, you're always up, you're never down, you're always peaceful, never wrathful, you're always giving, never taking, you're always generous, never stingy, you're always considerate, never inconsiderate, your bullshit meter would go off and your intuitive sense would say, wait a minute now, that's not exactly true, I'm not always that way. And if I went to the other side and I said, you're always mean, you're never nice, you're always cruel, you're never kind, you're always, you know, one-sided, um, you again, your, your bullshit meter would go off and your intuition would say, no, that's not it. But if I said to you, sometimes you're you're nice, sometimes you're mean, sometimes you're kind, sometimes you're cruel, then you would immediately go, well, yeah, that's certainty because you have now an objective. Objectivity means even-minded. So to set a goal that is fantasy or one-sided and pursue it can be self-defeating. But to embrace the reality of that we have both sides in our life and not try to get rid of half of ourselves to love ourselves is, is liberating at least and very poignant as far as achievements. Because you're going to have both sides in your life. When somebody comes up to you and is really, really, really supportive of your values, you can be quiet and nice and very kind to them. But if somebody comes up and says, I'm sorry, but your your, your flight's been canceled and we booked you in, a, in an economy, though you paid first class and uh, we won't be able to fly this week, you'll probably bring out the other side of yourself. And you got to know that you have both sides and you have the capacity for both sides and know when to use both sides and love both sides if you want to have mastery of life. Did you know there are over 62 million decision makers on LinkedIn? Yeah, and even small and medium-sized businesses are making the most out of LinkedIn ads. They're using LinkedIn to get their voices heard and their messages to resonate with the audience. And it's not just about awareness either. LinkedIn ads are driving traffic and engagement. If you want to check it out, try for yourself. LinkedIn is offering a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit to launch your first campaign. Simply visit linkedin.com slash duct tape, D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E. That's linkedin.com slash duct tape. So there's some terms and conditions that may apply, but I urge you to go check it out for yourself. So, so you're not really suggesting some sort of uh, alignment <laughs> that, that you're trying to live. It, it, it's more a recognition of here is how you are living, uh, and that, is, that actually uh, demonstrates, communicates who you are, what's important to you. No, what happens is when you're living congruently in alignment with your highest values, you're most objective, and you're most poised, you're most present, you're most purposeful, you're more prioritized. You're more objective. You can see both sides. Can you see right now in the, with the impeachment of Trump uh, today uh, with, with the Democrats and the Republican, can you see very obviously that both sides are very biased between Fox News supporting Donald and, and CNN supporting the Democrats? There's a high degree of subjective bias, which is an amygdala response in the lower brain regions compared to an objective view that every human being has got two sides. You know, we, we're, we're human beings. And so when you're living congruently, you're not trying to live in a fantasy of one sidedness. You're embracing life as it is. And you're embracing that in other people. You know, they, you, the one you're married to, they're going to want to be loved for who they are. They're not going to be loved for just this one side you expect them to be. 
And if they're expecting it, you're expecting it, you're going to be let down. You're going to feel betrayed because you projected an unrealistic expectation on people. But when you expect them to live according to their values, you, you are more grounded in your, your expectations. And the same thing for yourself. See, I've, I've, I've looked at myself and looked, viewed it. And I'm, I'm, uh, I have both sides. I went through 4,628 traits in the Oxford Dictionary. And I found out I had every one of them in my life. I found out that uh, that was revealing because I'm not always a nice person. <laughs> Sometimes I can be really assertive and aggressive in, at times. And, and I got to love all that. I can't just try to get rid of half of myself and expect to love all myself. And I, I think it's wiser for us to appreciate people for who they are, not the fantasies we impose on them and on ourselves. And that's why the values factor is, is helpful to setting realistic expectations on people because they're gonna you're gonna feel betrayed if you have a false expectation fantasy projected all the time. So so let's go there and try to help me understand how how would I how would a person who goes through the value determination um, then use that as a guide? Well, once they determine what's really that, let's say the top three values, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer. I've been I've been involved in this now 47 years. I've been teaching 47 years. And I've helped, you know, many, many thousands of people, millions of people uh, pursue what they dream about. And whatever's highest on the value, that is what they are most likely to be consistent, persistent and focused on. That's where they're spontaneous. That's where, you know, it's like a young boy who loves video games. You don't need to remind him to do his video games. You may have to remind him, remind him to do his chores, his homework and as, as clean his room, but not his video games. So what, once you find out what this highest value is, it's wise to every single day to ask, what is the highest priority action I can do today that can help me fulfill what's deeply most meaningful to me, that makes a contribution to others on the greatest scale that I can do that is deeply meaningful and transactional? So I could potentially have my vocation, vacation be the same, and I can delegate the rest away and give job opportunities to other people to do the things they would love to do that I would like to delegate so I can liberate myself from things that depreciate me and get on with the things that are deeply meaningful and inspire me to make the biggest contribution in the world and to set an example for what's possible for other human beings. So I'm guessing because you work with organizations, you mentioned this uh, corporation in Japan, um, is this something leaders uh, that you feel leaders can actually lead with, you know, to, to empower people by helping them understand uh, this so that the whole team now maybe works better together? Absolutely. The, no one goes to work for the sake of a company. That's the fantasy people have. Even in companies that have high reputations, they go to work to fulfill what they value most. And if they have a high value on children, if they can get their, if they can fulfill what they want for their children working there, they'll be engaged. If they have a high value on business and they want to rise up in the corporate ladder, then they'll, as long as they have a place to go and a way of getting there, they'll be inspired. But nobody's engaged in something unless they can see how the job duties that they're doing daily is helping them fulfill what's deeply most meaningful. And they're not going to be engaged if they can't see how the mission, vision, primary objectives of the company is helping them fulfill what's most meaningful. So I've trained, I've developed training systems. I just got back from Japan training consultants and managers and leaders on how to master the hiring process, the inspiring of teams, the leadership, the management, negotiation, and sales according to values and respect people to communicate in their values and consider those values when we're articulating the mission and vision and the objectives we have for our teams. When we do amazing things happen in companies, instead of autoc autocracy and, and uh, you know, dictator tyrancy that uh, creates revolutions and, you know, uh, you know, what do you call it, uh, 
social kind of constructs, the, the uh, unions and things, you end up caring about another human being to have a fair exchange to help them with equitability uh, to do what they love and they help you do what you love. And I'm absolutely certain it works. I've been doing it a long time and it's very inspiring to watch people become online engaged doing something they love doing at work. And I, tra I train people on how to hire people and screen people. I can screen somebody and know if they're going to be productive before they ever get on the job. And, and if they're going to be, you know, as theory Y or X people, as McGregor used to say, they're going to need internal. Uh, are they going to be driven from within to do the job and, and be accountable? Or are you going to have to micromanage people and put them uphill and have to remind them with external motivations all the time? That costs the company. But intrinsic drive is very, very powerful and engagement. So I, I, I specialize in, in maximizing engagement companies, really. So because you've been doing this for a long time, um, I, I'm sure that your knowledge and your experience has evolved. But do you see changes in um, generationally in the workforce or in in people's challenges because of technology making this even harder? Um, do you you know, how, how has this kind of evolved for you? Well, the basic principles haven't changed. You know, human beings want to fulfill what they value. I mean, I can go back to Aristotle and he talked about the voids determine the values of human beings in his time. And he found the highest value was called the telos. And the study of that was teleology, which is the most meaningful and purposeful thing an, an individual can do. So it's new, not new. I, I've, I've gone down through the great philosophers and synthesized the works and summarized it and uh, explored the, the brain and, and uh, you know, physiology of this. So I'm certain about the, the impact it has. I've, I've got plenty of evidence for it. It's just a matter of, of not, you know, the technology is a way and a way of expressing the same principles. And they give us a way of doing it. We may have a now instead of delegating through pieces of paper, we'll delegate to a, a communication device. And this, instead of prioritizing on a piece of paper, we'll prioritize on a device and, and keeping metrics on a device. But the, the, still the principles are the same. I don't think they're going to change. I think that's human behavior. Um, some of the, th the the works that you cited, um, you know, even Emerson 150 years ago, you know, was saying some of these same things. And and you're right. It's you know they they certainly have stood the test of time. That's well. That's it. I mean, I, I I've been I've been I'm very steeped in the Greek philosophers and all the philosophers through time. I mean, and I've studied some of the greatest minds I've been able to get my hands on, and and I and I feel pretty certain that we can reproduce an effort. We can go in and, and take people that are uninspired and make them inspired. And their inspiration is not because of any external thing. Their inspiration is the second they feel that they can get what they're really, really deeply inspired by to be fulfilled. And they come online. And that's the, the as Drucker said many years ago, if we can care enough about a human being to find out what they're naturally uh, inspired, that competitive advantage that Ricardo would describe in each individual, it's always an expression of what they value most. And making sure we hire people that are matching the job description so they can maximize that expression, that's honoring them, it's making our company, we win, they win, and 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 not not accepting less than that, making sure that we care about people. You know, equity, equity between ourselves and others and equanimity within ourselves and our customers and our employees goes far. Because if we try to exaggerate ourselves and try to get them to be doing what we want as an autocrat, eventually we get humbled and we get it. We, we get fallen. I think we saw that today. At the same time, if we minimize ourselves, we'll sacrifice our profits. But having fair exchange, sustainable fair exchange with equity and equanimity has stood the test of time. And that's the mastery of communication, our values in terms of other people's values. 
That's what communication really is. In a loving relationship, a child relationship, a business, a customer, employee, or vendors. Speaking with Dr. John Demartini, uh, he is the author of The Values Factor. We're going to have a link to his website uh, for this uh, determinator uh, quiz. Um, uh, tell people where they can find you and, and more about your work, John. Well, if they would like to find out about what I'm doing, uh, just my website, drdemartini.com, D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com, drdemartini.com, D-R. And on there is just a, a plethora of of um, you know educational um, information for people, hundreds of radios, television. I mean, I've done probably eight thousand interviews, so there's there's a vast amount of information that can keep people busy on there, just learning and helping them in whatever areas. It may not be just business; it may be in their relationship or maybe health areas. But I've been interested in helping people maximize all seven areas of their life, and that's what my website's for. Because any area of our life we don't empower, people will overpower us. If we don't empower ourselves our intellectually, we'll be told what to think. If we don't empower ourselves in business, we'll be told what to do. If we don't empower ourselves financially, we'll be told what we're worth. If we don't empower ourselves in our relationship, we'll be trapped in something we feel uninspired by. If we don't empower ourselves in social status, we'll be told the propaganda, as we see on the media. If we don't empower ourselves physically, we'll be told what drugs to take and what organs to remove. If we don't empower ourselves spiritually, we, we may subordinate to something that may be dogmatic or ant- antiquated. We have to care enough about ourselves to walk authentically and integrally into what we value most and make a contribution to other people if we want to exemplify what's possible for other people. Well, I suspect occasionally uh, you get some pushback on some of your thoughts, but I say uh, um, I, I say that they are more than just interesting. They are inspiring, and I think uh, you're absolutely right. No matter where people come down, they need to make the decision for themselves. Well, the thing is, if they don't, any area they don't, somebody else does. And empowerment comes from within, not without. Well, thanks, John, for stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And uh, I'm going to have the links for for all the things we talked about. And uh, hopefully we will uh, get to spend more time together. I look forward to it. And thank you so much for the opportunity to share. And uh, anytime I could be of service or uh, it might fit into your, your, your podcast, let me know. And I'll be glad to help out in any way. Thank you so much. 